You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. You're listening to episode number 50. Living the Dream is 50 episodes old and it can kick and stretch. Audition, side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hey, dreamers. Roy O'Malley here. Thank you so much for listening to Living the Dream. I have a wonderful guest this week, Siobhan Dillon. She is as beautiful as her name is. And uh, I recently met her at an event here in Los Angeles, uh, singing a bunch of tunes at a really cool place. And... She is such a light, and I realized she had an amazing story going from London to Broadway, and then here we were in Los Angeles. She's made quite the journey to live her dream, and she has an even more amazing story than I realized when I sat down with her. I did not know that she had some health challenges at a very young age that she overcame, and her story is very unique, very inspiring, and just listening to her speak for an hour will be so pleasurable to you. <laughs> it was to me. Um, she's really great. I uh, had the honor of getting to see her in Sunset Boulevard with Glenn Close this last season on Broadway. She was Betty and uh, was fantastic. And that was a really special production. Glenn Close's performance was insane. Uh, literally. And uh, she has a very unique perspective of anyone else I've spoken to because she's worked in in London and she has come to Broadway and she had such a wonderful time, which made me so happy that she had a good experience with the Broadway community and really loved that. And she also was on a reality TV show, How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria, where they were looking for the, the new Maria for Sound of Music on the West End. And she worked with Andrew Lloyd Webber as she refers to Andrew, Andrew, um, she's just a delight. You will really, really like her perspective. And uh, here it is, my interview with Siobhan Dillon. Siobhan. Yeah. Siobhan Dillon, mm. the most beautiful name ever. Where's that name come from? It's Irish. I, I, I mean, <laughs> as an O'Malley, I, I knew that. But where, where is, are you Irish? My dad is half Irish. Oh. And my mum... I think part of the reason why mum fell in love with my dad is because of his Irish accent. Oh, yeah, so, that'll do it. And my dad hasn't lived in Ireland for, like, something ridiculous, like, 50 years. Really? And yet, he still, remarkably, has kept his Irish oh. accent. Just because mum loves it. Well, it comes in handy, I'm sure. I mean, the Irish brogue is just... It's the best. Whenever I go over there, uh. especially in my younger days, if I had enough to drink, I would have an Irish brogue. And people, I would be like, right. hey, they'd be like, where are you from? I'd be like, oh, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> uh, no, you're not. Yeah, but um, 
so so you but you grew up in England. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The whole time in the Midlands. In the Midlands, where's that? Well, literally in the middle of the chunkiest bit. God. So the West Midlands is just sort of uh, Birmingham is around that area. I was about an hour north of Birmingham. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so how did you get involved with theater? Is that is theater, I think, in American, you know, culture, we think of of everyone in Britain just, you know, reading Shakespeare every day. <laughs> just, you know, being a part of... I can assure you it's definitely not that. Right, right. In fact, it's in most kids' curriculum to, to study Shakespeare for a time. And ev- I have never met one person who enjoys reading Shakespeare. Really? Or performing it. Yeah, I mean, with Stra- so Stratford-upon-Avon, obviously, yeah. which is the sort of epicenter. Yeah. And there are a lot of remarkable actors and actresses who have come from that area, trained there, performed right. there. And it's a pr- privilege and an honour to even be considered... Um, you know, for shows in that area, yeah. And also in London, obviously, as well. Um, but it's, um, it, people aren't reading plays, like, on buses and stuff. It's not like that. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's not that, no. not that Shakespeare cultured, no. Right. So how did you get involved? Oh, I was really lucky, because my mum taught drama and English, oh. and so she she's a thespian, and she wanted me to do the same, I think. And also, I showed a massive interest when I was, like, nine years old. You we did? went to watch a show, and I just said, I think I want to be on stage. So I entered... Um, what was I? What was the first thing that I did? I mean, Mum always tells a story of us in, being in Topshop in Birmingham and me entering a singing competition and winning a goodie bag, and I got the bug at that point apparently. Ooh. But I a goodie bag will do it. Yeah, That'll like, rope you in. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, just yeah. so fickle. And then um, I think I watched a youth theatre show, and I wasn't supposed to have joined until I was ten. But they were like, "Well, you know, she's really enthusiastic, and she shows some skills and whatever." So I was in the youth theatre at nine. And um, I remember my granddad coming to watch the first show I was in. I was, I was in Annie and I played a boiling sister and um, a servant and... Uh, in Annie? A number of things. Oh. Yeah, in Annie. And um, I just wanted to be, you know, is it Pepper? The oh one, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. I just, I really the real that. feisty one, yeah. Right, but I was tall and mm-hmm. didn't look anything like mm-hmm. a kid. I've always been a bit lanky, um, and they were like, "No, you're better off as a as a servant and a boiling sister." So I did, and my granddad came to watch, and he said, "You know, you're remarkable. It's a fantastic performance." And I said, "I just really want to be one of the lead roles." And he said, "Your your time will come, Siobhan." That was my first memory of my granddad and I having a conversation about performing. I, he he passed away when I was I think fifteen, uh-huh. but um. But uh, and every time I'm on stage and I'm playing a lead role, I always think about that conversation that he said yeah. to me. That, that conversation that we had, and he was so enthusiastic and optimistic about my future on stage, as is obviously family are. But. Yeah, but I think that it helps because I, what I've learned in having these conversations is oh, yeah. that not all families are. No, maybe no, not. and we think of that. Oh well, they're you know my grandfather, or they're my parents, and they're going to yeah. be supportive. It's not always the case. I mean, yeah. I think that it helps a lot obviously mm. to have a family that supports you but you you felt that from the beginning obviously because your mother was teaching yeah. that and yeah i mean mom saw something in you mom was never a singer so that's something that she always uh she couldn't really get her head around it yeah and actually another thing as well when i was nine i asked for singing lessons for my ninth birthday and again mom was like what is going on with siobhan i just had this sort of need and desire to perform <laughs> and yet i've never really enjoyed the idea of people looking at me and watching me. And yeah. It's a really interesting thing. It's like I need all the stage lights so that I can forget that there's an audience there. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of performers are like that too. Uh, but yeah, she was so supportive. And my dad was so supportive too. And my nana just wanted me to sing all the time. Yeah. 
and I had amazing teachers like at primary school um, the head of music there was a guy called Mr Moon Duncan Moon who was absolutely fantastic and he was so musical and we used to have like after school lessons and he would teach me how to hear harmonies and things like that just stuff that other kids weren't really interested in but he saw my fascination with it and so taught me and with that and the youth theatre and then the singing lessons and everything else and all these teachers that were so enthusiastic I just had a great foundation in performing arts and then the weird thing is I got to GCSEs which would be like 16 years old and I think I was a bit punch drunk from being in every show and studying that every night Um, and so I I decided that I wanted to look into photography and fashion design and so I ended up doing that after school and going to college in London for fashion design wow but the weirdest thing was I was exposed to London because of because of uh, the theatre district my mum used to take us down there we used to go shopping and go and watch a show always wow. it was only a couple of hours drive but but my first experiences of London how wonderful the city city was was because of performing arts yeah. and then some something clicked in me aged 15 and I went you know what I'm not very good at acting I'm not very good at dancing I'm not very good at all the other stuff I love singing but I think I'm not going to put all my eggs in that basket because I'm not a triple threat and a lot of my friends really were they yeah. would go to dance school. I mean, I was bullied massively at this dance school, so that's why I didn't do dance very much. You were bullied at the dance Hugely. school? Hugely. Like, I can't even even begin to tell you. It was horrendous. For not being a good dancer, or what? No, I actually... I No, I was in the top tap group for a while. I, I didn't like ballet at all. In fact, I absolutely hated it. Um, and jazz was like, eh. But this one dance school, everybody went to this this one little place, and uh, Bojangles, it was called. Oh. And... Um, yeah, girls a couple of years a couple of years older than me just loved to hate me. So I just Oof. couldn't be bothered. I sort of just avoided it. I avoided dance and I just sort of wrote that off. I was like, no, I'm not very good at that, so I'll just carry on singing. And then actually my drama teacher in my first year of secondary school, which would have made me like 14, I think, she was fantastic and loved the fact that I sang, but she, she I don't know what it was about her. I always felt like she didn't really enjoy helping me act. So again, it was like, right. Siobhan, you're a singer. You just do that. Right. And you'll get good grades by singing. Right. But let's leave acting to everybody else. It is funny how when we're young and we're in a group of like this small pond of people, mm-hmm. if you excel at one piece, they're like, oh, this is what you do. And that's yeah. what you'll do forever. And there's this other person who does this a little better yeah. than you. So yeah. that's not what you do. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of felt that way when I was growing mm-hmm. up too. And, that, and when you're a kid, you're like, well, I guess right. this is what it is. This right. is what the world is. Yeah. This and is you, my place. And you listen and take note and you take it to, your, to heart as yeah. well. When someone says, actually, you're probably not a very good actor, you go, oh, person of authority says X, therefore of course. I should concentrate on singing. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, you are have a beautiful voice, but it wasn't, it was kind of like, I mean, is it, you were studying singing still while you were in fashion school or, or what? No, I just stopped all of the performing. You just stopped all of it. Yeah. That was at it. that point. And so how did you make, by the way, I, the first time I went to London, I have to tell you this just in case you saw it. Yeah. My first time there, I think it was in, oh God, 1998. Okay. I saw a production. Of, no, no, it was 2000. Okay. That's when it was. It was 2000. Right. I saw a production of a new musical called Spend, Spend, Spend. And it was, no, I didn't uh, no, see it. It was a I really hit. wanted to see it. it. I really wanted hit. to. Was it awful? It was one of the worst things I've ever seen Brilliant. in my life. And, and and like everyone in it was really good, it, but it was the story was about a woman who, a, a British woman who won the lottery uh-huh. and spends 
spent it, spent it, spent it, spent, spent, spent. <laughs> okay. And you can see so what it was like, yeah, comes. she went from nothing to everything back to nothing. Hmm. And it was kind of like an interesting story, but I just remember being like, what is this? And, you know, then we saw like, you know, some brilliant play and we, you know, so, I mean, I've seen so many great pieces of theater in London. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. Some of the best in my life. Yeah. But nothing will be better than the experience That's of seeing Spend, Spend, Spend. Amazing. I mean, I just wanted to see Was it a musical? Would... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> big, big dance number. Spend, wow. Spend, Spend. I want to I see if I can find a cast recording. Listeners, if you have a cast recording of Spend, 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 please get it to me. I wonder. I'm no. sure there's got to be something out there. Well, yeah, we could work it out. It, I, and I mean, honestly, maybe I was just a snobby uh, college student. It was after my freshman year of musical theater school and I was probably just being a total snob and I would like die for it now you never know (laughs) I really want to track down this uh, cast recording yeah no it was I I mean I've seen so many great things there but that's the best one uh, for the memories um okay so how did you get into after fashion school oh well um uh let's see so I went home for Christmas I've been down London for a couple of years, and to be honest, it wasn't really floating my boat in many ways. I was making handbags, and I and I loved that, but and I loved being in London, but I kind of felt a little bit like everything was a little bit out of my reach in that mm. I had so much college work to do, that, and I wanted so badly to do well that I didn't really go out. I didn't really go to any theatre. I didn't do anything. I just studied, went to college, came home, studied, went to right. college. Came, so it was, it, was, it was intense. Anyway, I was home for Christmas, and um, I went to catch up with a friend of mine who was also at a musical theatre college um but not in london and she said you know i've just seen this advert for um they're auditioning for the what's it now the kids for the sound of music they're putting the sound of music on at the palladium and i was like oh god that sounds amazing and then i saw it on on tv and my nana i was sitting with my nana at the time having a cup of tea and she said oh look they've got there's there's a, you can see the Liesels there and there's the brigittas and all and she was she loved the sound of music and so did i we used yeah, to watch yeah. it obviously with her when i was a kid and um and she said, Oh, wouldn't that be great? She went, Why don't you get yourself down there and do that? And I was like, Oh god, I can't. And you know, kids queuing up around the London theatre to open audition for these the kids of the sound of music. Yeah. And I said, you know, I can't I can't. I'm too old to play um Liesel. it's just not gonna happen. And I just wrote it off. And then you know how the universe kinda like kicks you, gives you signs. Sure. And this same friend of mine, um, a week or so later, wasn't even wasn't that long afterwards, said to me, Oh, they're auditioning for Maria. For the sound of music. And I was like, oh, no, I could get my teeth into that. <laughs> and she said, I think I might travel down to London to audition. They're having a kind of like a TV show, reality show about it. And I thought, oh, that's that's scary. But why not? Let's give it a go. I'll meet you down in London. We can You can stay with me and the whole thing. Anyway, she stood me up. So I thought, well, I'll go on my own then. So I did. And I rocked up first day. Um, so green had no idea who anybody was all these musical theatre people from like Mount View and Rod all these amazing places yeah. amazing pe- performing artists are all you know warming up in the in the hallways around the, I think it was one of the BBC buildings and I was like thinking well should I be doing some like scales or something because the last thing I'd done was on stage at school yeah so anyway long story short people are coming out saying John Barrowman's in there oh David Ian's in there oh Zoe Tyler this and Andrew whatever. and I was like oh I know Andrew who is it who is it <laughs> Who is everyone else? Well, I know Not Andrew. Andrew. Not, at that point, it was not first name basis. I know Andy. I know, so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> at that point, it wasn't that, that case at all. But anyway, I went, auditioned, um, got through. Everyone was really enthusiastic about my audition. And it all went really well. And it went from strength to strength. And the pre-recorded, um, uh, what do you call it, the programs went 
so well. I was kind of nervous about the acting bits, but then kind of confident. This with is the on a t- the TV show called How Do You Solve, How do you a, solve a Problem? Like, like Maria. Maria. Yeah, right. the BBC. And it was 2006. Um, I was so bright eyed and bushy tailed, just loved singing Julie Andrews material, yeah. you know, because as far as I was concerned, I hadn't trained. So I didn't, I trained in inverted commas because I had so many hours of experience through my schooling because of, we had a great theatre at school and I was at the youth theatre and then operatic society. So I was in every show going, yeah. literally. Um, but still in this reality TV show, everyone else seemed to know about steaming and about, you know, um, steaming, vocal health, very important all this stuff. And at one point, this girl called Simona, um, again, in the pre-records, I was sharing a hotel room with her and, um, she had the kettle on boil with the lid up and she had her head over the kettle. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> she said, I'm just, I'm, I'm steaming my vocal cords. And I was like, why would you do that? Right. And literally within 24 hours, I had lost my voice. Turns out I had laryngitis, I think, mm-hmm. but I hadn't got a clue what was going on because I'd never sung this much before. I never had that sort of the stress of of needing to perform every single on day a of the week. Basis, yeah, yeah, and it was hard. Anyway, so consequently, I remember the last performance that we had. We went down to Andrew Lavera's house, and um, we sang. For wow, what was that like? Cars. I mean, incredible. He has the most beautiful home. And this was being filmed there. All filmed. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was all filmed for the pre-recorded program. You keep saying pre-recorded, two. so that's just like that was the tape show versus the live show. Right. Exactly. That's, there's some things that you're saying that are so beautiful because <laughs> they're the pre-record. <laughs> the pre-record. <laughs> the pre-record. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, it sounds so lovely. Sorry, sorry. No, don't, don't yeah, be, please. So they had hours of footage, but only two programs. That just that did the first two were the pre-recorded sessions. I see. So, I mean, this told all the stories of all the massive first auditions and then, like, you know, the second group of people that came through and then, right. they, then they narrowed that down to this group and that group and then they had to perform this song in front of these people and then that acting challenge and it was all condensed into two shows of, I think, probably, maybe they were an hour, they might have been half an hour, but they were tiny. Yeah. Um, in the first show, I was called the Golden Girl um, because everyone was like, they were really responsive and loved what I did and everything. And the second was when I lost my voice and I tried to sing at Andrew Lord Robert's house at this beautiful, beautiful church theatre, um, gorgeous space in yeah. his in his garden, yeah. on his land, should I say. It's, right. it's a little larger than a garden. Um, and it was terrible. I had an awful time. Um, that day was sent from somewhere hellish. And um, I felt like I couldn't do what I have always been able to do and and was perfectly able, but I just couldn't do it because my voice wouldn't let me and it was really frustrating. So uh, that was like the end of the second pre-record. I got kicked out. I didn't get through. So that was it. There were, I think, 12 finalists, maybe 10. I got kicked out, didn't get through. I was just beside myself. I was so upset. Went home, cried a lot. And then a couple of weeks later, I had a phone call from BBC saying, Andrew would like you to be standby for the live shows. I was like, oh, okay, I'm in. So they got me into a, to a, uh, actually, it was a really useful group then, his company, that office in the middle of Covent Garden. So beautiful. Wow. And um, I remember my dad came down with me. Um, And they rigged me up in this mic with his microphone. And the only reason they had me there, apparently, was sing through the material and just have a chat. And I had a microphone put on. I was like, why are they giving me a microphone? This is odd. And you know, just from the very beginning, you're thinking, there's something fishy going on wow. here. Anyway, again, long story short, I got in there halfway through um, The Hills Are Alive with the Sound of Music. And Andrew comes in and says, well, Siobhan, you know, we decided that uh, um, one of the girls had dropped out. So we'd love for you to be part of our of our show. I was like, wow. amazing. Wow. So of course I said, no, I'm busy actually now. Andrew, I filled my diary. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that. And then um, I came third and I was mortified um, 
about, I don't know, half an hour before we performed in the final show, when it was myself, Connie Fisher, and Helena Blackman, and I and the idea of performing on the Palladium stage was so scary and so overwhelming, and the idea of that actually being a potential reality, it it made me... I was just... I had a mini panic attack. Yeah. Because up until that moment, I was sort of naive, a little bit in denial. It was fun. It was yeah. a bit like, oh, this is cool. I'm right. learning so much and having such a great time. And the way that it rolled out, it was kind of like you had just been like, oh, you're just going to come in and fill in yeah, for somebody. And right. so like, but just enjoy it. Exactly. And I hadn't trained. I was like, why would I get... Why would they give me the, like, the opportunity right. to do that? Because I don't deserve that. Huh. Um, so, and again, they named me Second Chance Maria. So the whole time I'm like, I'm going out this week. I'm going out this week. I'll be going out this week. And then at one point I was up with this girl called Aoife Mulholland who came fourth. And the two of us were in the semi-final sing-off. So it was like one of us getting it chucked out. And I was right. convinced it was going to be me. Convinced. So much so that there's really embarrassing footage of me on, t- on this TV show. When Andrew says, I'm going to save Siobhan, I go, is he joking? And my face, I literally go, what? And I'm looking around the studio going, what? And Aoife says, well done, darling, that's great. And I'm like, no, 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 there's a mistake. On live TV. Oh, my God. I'm going, no, 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 no. I was oh. convinced. Anyway, so it's all the TV show. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, any one of those girls could have done that role, could have played that part. Look, I, I mean, ca- it's just... I cannot <laughs> imagine that the, the audition process is horrible even at its best even when it's totally with wonderful people and fantastic it puts you through so much emotionally yeah that doing it on television yeah the putting yourself in that vulnerable state yeah that that sounds excruciating to me and it almost feels like because you were so green it was a benefit to you until that moment that you were like well i'll just this sounds like fun for me I would. I knew way too much. Yeah. I would. I would never be able to put myself in that situation. I wouldn't do it now. Yeah. I couldn't do it. No, no. But it. But being green, being naive, is a wonderful asset. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. Yes. Mm. And just charging through and not realizing how how scary and horrible something can be before you get there. Right. Skin in my teeth. Yeah. The, The the absolute epitome of living in living in the moment. Yeah. Living now, I'm grateful for what I'm doing right now. At the time, I didn't really realize that was such a great space, like a great headspace to be in. It just kind of was. It was default because I had no comprehension of what was going on. Yeah. And every time someone said to me, oh, do you want to just sing, uh, just, just siren for me? I'd go, do what now? Right. They'd be like, just siren. I would if I knew what that was. Right, right. You know, every day was another kind of a challenge and an interesting thing to learn. And it was just an amazing experience because I had no idea what I was getting myself in for. Right. Right. So you have that experience. You come in third. You clearly, even though it was so difficult, you were like, this is fun. I want to keep doing it. Yeah. Right? So did you just start going off and auditioning? Did you have representation? Was there like a thing with the show where you guys went on tour? What I'll was that and, moment? I'll try and run you down like the first couple of things that happened. Okay. So on the show, Andrew said, I'm very sorry, Siobhan. Yes, you know, you did a fantastic performance, but I have had a call from somebody from Universal who would like to give you a record deal. And I went, ha, <laughs> cool. Like, I'll do that. Yes. Right. Um, but he did also send me on a couple of auditions and I didn't have representation because I didn't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. I the record deal uh, happened. I didn't have a manager because I didn't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. I just didn't trust anyone that I met. It was the craziest, most scary time. Mm-hmm. Um, I went for an audition for um, Phantom of the Opera. And it was a really rainy, 
I think October, November day in London. I mean, it was squelchy, horrible, rainy. Everyone was miserable. They very often are at that time of year anyway in London. Um, But I remember walking into a theatre. I don't remember which one it was. And um, in the back of my mind, I knew that the next day I was off doing songwriting sessions for this like album that I was releasing. So that was a sort of, I was removed again from the reality of the task at hand. Right. So my brain was elsewhere. And I remember I got into this theater and there were a couple of girls standing around wearing these beautiful like little dresses and tights and these gorgeous little heels, curly hair, looking just looking stunning. And I thought, right. I wonder what what event they've got going on here i'm in like baggy squelchy jeans and a t-shirt with a massive like overall jacket on not quite the hint of christine honestly (laughs) again green i mean so green a lot of times when we're told you should wear like a hint of the character an idea an idea not the costume but something along those lines don't go in a ball gown like don't do that but but yeah so the casting director can be like oh she's feminine and she looks pretty and she sure and she sings like this and that makes sense because she looks like that and i can see her on stage um but no i rock up squelching into the theater and um and i realized by the looks on their faces that the other girls outside were either waiting to go in or had just been in for the audition for christine and i probably was wearing the complete wrong attire i mean in hindsight it was brilliant hilarious but oh god it was just one of those many situations where um i think everyone around me was just wishing so much that i knew a bit more and i'd taken more initiative (laughs) yeah but Oh god. I mean I feel like that's that's kind of the you can't really take initiative if you don't know that that's a thing that people do. No. It shouldn't matter. It you shouldn't. Know, it but shouldn't. It does. I mean it, sometimes <laughs> you got it. Sometimes it's hard for casting people or people in that situation on the other side of the table to be taken all the way to the finish line of envisioning you in that role. So that's just a trick to kind of bring them halfway there and that you can do the rest. But it's true. you know it's really, it's not about your clothes at the end of the day. No, I felt I was pretty, yeah, it, it made the audition pretty sketchy as well. Yeah. And they were trying so hard to want me to do it, but ultimately I just was nowhere near a Christine. Right. Sure. <laughs> Hilarious. Anyway, yeah, that was my, that was my experience straight after the program. And then they wanted me, a Universal, to write, uh, co-wrote, co-write and record an album in a couple of months over the Christmas period and everybody that I spoke to said it was obscene and would never happen and and sure enough it didn't um they wanted it delivered uh so that you know it was delivered in time for Valentine's and then Mother's Day um so they had all these ridiculous um they're trying to capitalize on the tv show and yeah and they'd say things like just make sure you're completely honest. Um, we want you to be your authentic self. You know, just we want you to write and produce, you know, record the, the album that you're happy with that really best reflects who you are. And then so I'd sit in a session and I'd hear a demo come back and I'd be like, oh, you know what? Um, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that bridge because for me, it's like the first recording was so much more powerful and I wouldn't even be able to finish. And the producer would say, oh, no, 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 trust us, it'll be fine. <laughs> I thought, well, hang on a minute. And less than 10 minutes ago, you told me it was important for me to tell you exactly how I felt. Right. I'm saying that it's not. He'd be like, just trust us. We've got this. I'm like, okay, great. So then yeah. when the album was um, delivered to the label and they weren't particularly impressed with it, yeah, I kind of went, all right, 
well, I'm helpless. What do I do? Right. Like, I tried to take your advice. This great guy called Colin Barlow worked at um, Polydor Universal. And he was like, what can we do for you, Siobhan? What songs did you like? And I said, you know what? There were like four songs on the album that I absolutely adored. And the demo. I really adored the demos. And then the moment it went into production, the producer took it in a strange direction. And that was when I lost love for it. And he said, great. What producer do you want to work with? I was like, Elliot Kennedy. He's fantastic. Lives in Sheffield. Work with him phenomenal guy so sure enough went up to Sheffield recorded the four tracks again it was amazing I was so happy with it went back to Colin Barlow down in London at Polydor and said here we go these are the four tracks he was like oh yeah uh no no sorry it's not gonna work but have the album just keep everything I was like wait a minute what did I do all of this in vain right turns out I didn't because a couple of years later myself and Elliot started writing again and then we started producing this album um I still have this album and there are some things that I absolutely adore, but it's just not quite right. And right. I just haven't been able to, I'm a Virgo perfectionist. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been able to just say, oh, you know what? I'll just get it out there. Yeah. Up until last year when I worked with another producer called Steve Anderson, who I've known since the Maria show, who has been sort of championing me, I guess, in lots of ways. Cause every show I did, he came to watch. We'd always have like dinner and tea and yeah. we'd have these catch ups. And he's been like a really close friend, um, through the entire process from start to finish, really finish being right where I am now, which I guess is start to current. <laughs> um, but we've just finished, uh, recording an album and it is mostly covers or beautiful songs from musical theater, um, soundtracks that wow. really resonate with me or pop songs that really resonate with me just the lyric yeah, the yeah. lyric has to make me go oh my god yes I get it this, right. is, this is this is coming from somewhere like where did you record this at um, a studio in London over wow. the middle of la- the ma- middle of last year in the summer and then over Christmas wow and the beginning of January this year I see and and so we're just sort of waiting for the right kind of production the right angle we're like what do we do with it but it's a lovely little baby that just needs a few little tweaks but i think ultimately i'm really really happy and we're some of the so these weren't the songs that you wrote originally no. but these are kind of like this story of you starting with somebody of of somebody saying like you should do this and you being like what yeah, no, i don't know yeah, what you're talking yeah. about to fast forward to here you are yeah. sitting on an entire album of of music that you love and yeah. like that's how those things begin they yeah. don't start with you knowing exactly how they're going to end. Right. They don't start like, and everything I've done that's been worth doing yeah. has not had an easy story. No. You know, it's not just, oh, you know, somebody came out of the blue and said, yeah. here's your album or here's your, here's your Broadway show. Yeah. It's always like, no, it was a 10 year process of hell. Completely. And there were lots of ups and lots of downs. Especially with anything creative. I feel like if it doesn't hit you in joy and despair, into kind of equal measure, then you can't really harness like a fully yeah. emotional response. You can't get that full visceral kind of experience from anything that doesn't have everything within that spectrum. Right. So, I mean, I could take you back like a step further and say that the way that it started is that in 2015, when I was, I was 30 and I wasn't very well, I don't mind saying, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, wow. And, I mean, it's one of those things. It's actually, I'm sure my parents wouldn't agree, but it's been more positive than negative for me. Sure. Um, but I listened to the Sarah Bareilles album, um, Waitress, mm. and she used to be mine, was just, I mean, I couldn't, I li- probably listened to it in excess of like 70 times within yeah. the first couple of days of, of this, of like, you know, downloading this track. And I just thought, I can't even sing it. I would open my mouth and my throat would close up and I'd start crying. I mean, talk yeah. about lumping your throat. I just couldn't, every single line 
was was me you know yeah. and, and for the first time ever I felt like if I was ever going to sing a song and really mean it it would be this it would be something like this right just have a lyric that that resonated so anyway I met with Steve Anderson again this producer and he said you know I've been thinking, Siobhan, and with your story and everything, everything's happened to you the last couple of months, are there any songs that you really think resonate? And I was like, it's funny you should say that, Steve. Huh. Actually, because only last week I was listening to da, 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 whatever. So this is how the ball started rolling. And um, and he just said, just give me a list of like, I don't know, 20 songs that do do a similar thing to you. That when, you know, when you're just thinking about the lyrics, not necessarily singing them, just thinking about it. Like, how does it make you feel? All that stuff. It was like kind of 101. Like, it's like basics. Yeah. How to sing a song that moves you and an audience. The basics. Anyway, that's how the the selection of these songs came about. I would listen to songs that made me feel like I could have written them. Hmm. Um, And then I recorded them in a way that that, uh, I thought fully reflected the thought process and, and I don't know, the event in my life, um, that it sort of, um, what's the word expressed? I don't sure. know. I'm struggling with vocabulary, but, um, yeah. So and this is like a very long way around. I found my voice. It's like one of those moments. Yeah. And I realize now that what I love about musical theater is exactly that. It's just, it's the acting through song that I don't think I ever really harnessed until I was, hmm. until I had cancer. I mean, yeah. and I feel like just that sentence in itself, you'd say, well, yeah, then you, you gained a hell of a lot out of being ill, Ill then, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Because it took that much for the penny to drop. Well, it's, you, you gained a lot by surviving and thriving through a situation like that at such a young age. Yeah. To really know what the, uh, the precious uh, value of life and how how wonderful it is that we get to experience every single day yeah. and to be on the other side of, of that experience that you had. I mean, I I've not had anywhere near that kind of health scare, but I've had moments in my life. Yeah, me too. And I know I, I, but I feel like because of other family members or because of things that have happened to me, there have been projects or things that I've done that I thought I need to do this before I die. Mm -hmm. And not because I have that moment, but that's, what I realized, like this, there's a clock ticking, mm. and how how wonderful that we get to be creative in this life. That we've found some way to stumble into creativity that so many people don't get access to, yeah. and that we can express our love of life or our experience yeah. through art. Right. Um, I think that having that at 30, mm. such a young age, that's basically like putting that feeling on on uh overdrive yeah it does it just sort of kickstarts it It rebooted me and it made me realize just how much of um how much of an ego i've had for so long you know like i don't want to look stupid so i'm not going to do right like what's the point yeah just do it look like an idiot and then something good might granted the chances are less than five percent but they might happen and it might move someone and like oh you know, you might actually feel good about this. Right. It might actually be a form of therapy. Right. Like you thinking, I don't care if I look like an idiot. I don't care. Can I swear? Yes, you can swear <laughs> okay. away. Especially when well, you're British, because it sounds so well, good. Yeah, I mean, I'll be I'll be selective with my swear words. But there have been a couple of times I thought, I just really want to rip my heart. Just go um, right ahead. But like feeling, 
feeling paranoid and that people don't like what you do is like the most debilitating emotion I think any performer, any person can have. Yeah. Like it stops you from actually finding happiness at times. I know that it's definitely before, before I had cancer, I would have stopped myself from potentially enjoying myself for fear of looking stupid and making other people look at me and, you know, and think less of me. Right. It's so backwards. Is that not the most backwards thing ever? I mean, it's very, it's very backwards, but it's also very natural and human. And it's also yeah. like literally the key to what we do is fighting against that. Right. In every situation. I remember being a kid and wanting to be on a stage so badly. And then for the first time being handed something at an audition and having to say it out loud. Yeah. And another kid had it next to me, the same words. Yeah. And that kid was just saying it. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God. God, yeah. how are they just able to just say yeah, these yeah, things yeah. out loud? And I thought they are just not afraid. And I was like, I have to figure out how to not be afraid to read these words on yeah. a stage. And I realized that that was just what we do every single yeah. day, looking at other artists and how fearless they are yeah. and stepping right through that yeah. and having that courage. And it never ends. There's, I think you have to constantly find yeah, new courage because you want to keep going, yeah. keep digging and finding more vulnerable parts yeah, of yourself completely because we're we're crazy but you know it's so satisfying when you acknowledge yeah. it and you and you really and you feel yourself going oh no and you're teetering on the edge of just jumping in yeah and you're going oh no i feel i feel really oh i'm in my, i'm in my head about it you know you yeah. say that i'm in my head about it yeah get out yeah <laughs> like just jump yeah do it look stupid this acting tutor so great he he was tutoring us on the maria show and he would say he would say darlings be 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 shit be <laughs> magnificent just please be something yeah and i'm like yes you're right just be just do something yeah. and even if you look like an absolute fool like a complete dickhead yeah. just do it and then go well i did it so you know like it's like every time i do that to myself i give myself like a little pat on the back because for the majority of my life i've not done it for fear of looking silly right and why and why because you could die tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was what happened, you know. I mean, I stood in the doctor's surgery and he said to me and my parents, um, this, I have to say, this was the first doctor I encountered because that I had to switch because I couldn't deal with this guy. Yeah. But he said, yeah, you know, uh, so yeah, we removed, we removed the lump. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, aggressive and uh, she's, she's probably going to need... Um, uh, radiation, uh, or they say radiotherapy in the UK, mm. and, uh, and and chemotherapy, yeah, and and uh, ten years of hormones just to sort of stave off the, uh, you know, this and the other. And then he said, um, so you know, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a really challenging ride. And and I looked at him and I was like, am I going to be okay? He was like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, yes, um, yeah. And I thought, I'm going to fucking die. Right. And it's so like it's so sobering. Yeah. And, and and the worst thing for me, and I'm sure there are people listening who have had a similar experience, was my mum and dad. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to be all right. Because when I die, I'm dead. <laughs> you know, it sounds like such a morbid thing to say. Mm-hmm. But genuinely, I looked to these guys and I just thought, how, I'm sorry, guys, for bringing you here. I'm right. sorry for doing this to you. And I still kind of feel a bit like that as well. And every day, every time I see them, I mean, I haven't seen them obviously since Christmas, but every time I see them, I just, I look at them and think, that was so mean. <laughs> mean. Yeah, 
yeah, it's just, I just feel so bad. I'm like, I have to say to them, guys, all this great stuff has come from this. Like, I, so I had, uh, the radiotherapy was pushed back because of complications with my surgery. So I came to LA for, um, for a week in the summer of 2015. I was in Miss Saigon at the time. I'd only been started a, a week and when I was diagnosed. So I took like something ridiculous, like four months off the show. I think it might have even been longer than that. And then went back for the Christmas period. Nutter. Straight mm. after radiotherapy. Nutter. Right. But anyway, I went to America just for a week, just to, just to hang and to relax and to just be vegan and meditate and do all that stuff just to try and heal because this surgery took, it just messed my body up. Um, and I spoke to my agent here and, uh, and I said, you know, I'm just probably going to go back, finish Miss Saigon and then just, that's it. I think I'm just going to, I'm just going to start, um, slowing down and taking stress out of my life and maybe you go back to, um, interior design. Side note, I had a commercial interior design company and renovated three bars and restaurants. <laughs> um, so that's I'm what I was going to go back to do. Yeah. Okay. Because it was kind of more predictable. It was easier to control and of it was, course. you know, I was yeah. in control of earning money. Yeah as opposed to a casting director or a producer. Yeah. So I was like, I'm just going to do that. And um, this agent said, oh, I mean, you could just get a green card and then live here. I was like, yeah, that's just... <laughs> Actually, yeah, I could do that. Because I've come to LA to to live by the sea and to eat well and meditate and be in a place that I love. So actually that's not such a bad idea. And that was the day that I started uh, the process to file for my green card. So that's why I'm here. That's why I landed here a couple of months ago um, in LA to live. Right. I mean, the fact that I was on Broadway last year was like another side note, which I could go into. But, Absolutely, yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, let's <laughs> definitely talk about that. But that's, I didn't realize that because see, for, you know, not knowing your whole story and honestly, thank you so much for sharing about your diagnosis and getting through that yeah. because it's, I said you have a great story. I did not know anything about that. Right. I thought you have a great story because of your geographic story oh, of, okay. you know, like, and, and where you've been in the business. Yeah. But, um, that's remarkable. So you decided to live in LA even before Sunset Boulevard came along. Yeah. How did that happen then? So you were, you were like, Oh, I'll get my green card in LA. But then all of a sudden it was a reading or, or, or a, some kind of benefit for Sunset Boulevard in London. No, uh, no, it was just a limited engagement. A limited engagement. At the, yeah. At the Coliseum at the ENO English national opera. Okay. And, um, Glenn Close, uh, was already obviously it was already praising her role that, and, that yeah, yeah she was always gonna do this and anyway a gorgeous casting director in the UK called David Grinrod came to watch me in Miss Saigon when I got back and um and he came into my dressing room afterwards and he said oh marvelous performance my darling well done that was fantastic um I think we should um we should get you in to audition for Sunset Boulevard and I was like oh okay that sounds lovely thinking no I'm, I'm gonna right. I just I don't know. You know, I got back after radiotherapy, the whole thing. I was feeling pretty tired with everything. Anyway, I had the audition and it was just so liberating. I was so scared because I had an audition for so long. Yeah. And, um, or been on stage or anything. It just felt great. And and anyway, I got the role and it was amazing. And I thought, you know what? This is great. Musical theatre, I could put a pin in it and say, I did a limited engagement at the English National Opera with Glenn Close playing a lead. Fantastic. Pin in it. Like, done. Done, dusted. Wrapped up. Yeah, and then I'll go to LA and do whatever i got to do, but right. that'll be it for musical theatre. Um, and then, and that was obviously really well received. 
And then somebody said to Glenn, oh, it'd be great if you went to Broadway with this. And then Glenn said, oh, that is a really good idea. Oh and I said, well, I'd only go to Broadway with this if Siobhan and Michael and Fred came with me. And the three of us were sort of her, I guess, sort of co-stars. So that's exactly what happened. And the contracts were all drawn up and, and the three of us went with Glenn. God love her. Yeah. Um, that is not normal. No. And that you is know not necessary. Like, like an, a, a lead actress uh, saying that and, and bringing other actors with them. She is showing, one, that she has a lot of loyalty to a company that, that she's with. Mm. And just how much she appreciates your performance, clearly. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I hope so. She was a wonderful, wonderful woman to work with and just to socialize with. You know, she was everything about Glenn is so inclusive. She wants every single person to know that she cares and she's always yeah. there if you want to say hey, if you want to talk to her about anything. Yeah. She's so open and generous on stage and off. She's just wonderful. She's just like a dream. Um, and what I was going to say is I had sort of played around with the universe and I said, well, you know what? I'll get, once I've done a show on Broadway, then I'll give up. <laughs> Within a couple of weeks, we had the Broadway offers in. Oh, my God. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. Anyway. It's the universe just kind of playing like, with you. Being like, oh, really? You really want to give be up done? musical theater? That's what you would do? Yeah, pretty well, much. Let's see. Let's see. I'll give it to you and yeah. see if that's when you're going to call it quits. So interesting. So, so what did it feel like being on Broadway? I saw you. I'm so happy I got to see Sunset Boulevard because I actually was only in town rehearsing for the tour of Hamilton for like less than a week. Really? I saw three shows and I got to see... Glenn Close, obviously. And so I was like, I gotta go. Amazing. I gotta go. Yeah. I'm I'm a gay man. Like, if I don't see this performance, <laughs> I don't know what I'll do. Yeah. And I absolutely thought that the entire cast was fantastic and you were sensational. And I'm so glad now getting to know you yeah. that I got to see well, you. Well, I feel that. the same way about you watching you on stage, too. Oh, just, well. just a little fangirl for a minute there. Oh, yeah. you're so sweet. No, I do, um, yeah. So... So you're in New York on Broadway. What did it feel like? Like, first of all, had you been to New York many times? Yeah, I had. I had been to New York. I kind of flown in and out and I had like the odd, you know, holiday, girly holiday, family holiday. Right. That kind of thing. And I'd always found it lovely. Yeah. There were moments where I was like, eh, I think I prefer London. Sure. But <laughs> working on Broadway working in New York is a completely different experience because the community, the Broadway community is just so like loving and caring and, and I don't know, and good. Everyone is so good, you know, and people who, uh, the the, the first covers and the second covers and like all the ensemble and like every single person, every single company is exquisite. Mm -hmm. And it's just such, I don't know, I don't want to say refreshing because it makes me sound like, it's lesser than the UK, but it's just a different vibe. People take the industry so much more seriously. Hmm. I don't know whether it's because the union's stronger and therefore, you know, it hasn't a trickle down, like a knock on effect, doesn't it? The, the moment mm. your union is strong, then Absolutely. everyone takes everything seriously. People yeah. step up and, you know, it's You can build thing. a career on being a, a, a standby and an understudy right. for, and, and dance captain. And the union is very good to... Or is basically there for those people, not for the principal. I think that the yeah. ensembles of every Broadway show are the heart of of a cast. Yes. And when they're treated well and can feel like they can give all of themselves to those eight shows a week, yeah. it really changes the building. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I can't tell you. I mean, everything about the experience, everything about performing um on Broadway was like everything I wanted it to be and expected it to be and have heard that it was and then some. 
Wow. It was just like a dream. Yeah. Every day I came into work with a massive smile on my face. Yeah. And I have to be honest, I, I didn't really feel that kind of love in the UK. Sure. I mean, let's be honest. Glenn Close is our leading lady. One. Yeah. Two, the ensemble were absolutely exquisite. Three, um, I mean, being on Broadway. That's like, just be, the idea yeah. of just being on Broadway. I don't know. I could have taken that whole experience and put it somewhere else in the world. And it's, and I don't know, the fact that it was on Broadway just made it that extra little bit special. Yeah. You know, as a Brit, it's going to be. Yeah. It's like all the elements were there. It was all in place. Plus I started meditating too when I was there. So I was totally Zen the majority of the yeah. time. I met some incredible people. I mean, I just didn't want it to end. And yeah. maybe that was it. Maybe if it was, if it didn't have you know, if we didn't know when our last show was, maybe we wouldn't have been so appreciative of every show going right. into work. I don't know. I, I think that's probably true. I think that when you are involved in a show, even if it's Hamilton and you know this is going to be around for 20 years yeah. but, and it's so great, you kind of are in this sea of not really knowing where you're going to end, where the show's going to end. Yeah. It just kind of feels like repetition. But you know, like this is a limited run. It has yeah. a beginning, middle, and an end. And you can take every day and be present. And that's that's a gift. That's a gift. Yeah, it is. It's. I mean, I, I know that that was a really cool experience for you. I'm so glad. I mean, just on on paper, I'm glad to know that you had a wonderful time yeah. with the Broadway community and mm. they you were treated well. Oh, completely. Good. Yeah. Good. And then now you're in LA. So that was basically like, okay, so I did that. And now I can fulfill my green card destiny and be yeah. in Los Angeles and do the things that I, I plan to do. Yeah. And now I'm a, a meditation fiend. I can't get enough of it. Wow. What, how do you meditate? I'm so bad at meditation. Let I me want tell to you, be better. This is a whole other session. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. We've, I brought up meditation with yeah. a lot of actors, but like, is it something that you have a specific way that you do it or? Yeah. So, so I landed in New York the beginning of last year and felt uh, overwhelmed. And so I got straight into this place called Mindful Meditation, mm. MND, MNDL Meditation. Um, they have three places around, around New York and they're incredible. And they do this unlimited thing and you go every day and it changed my life. Wow. That was Mindful Meditation. And that's the, the modality. And um, it sorted me out and grounded me in a way that nothing else has ever done and being in a group and having that kind of that the energy of lots of different lots of people around you is obviously going to be is going to sort of um strengthen your practice so there was that element so that was when I first really started doing it on a daily basis I mean we were teching the show and I was getting up at 6 a.m to go to a meditation class before I started um at the theater I was that committed because it just wow. it was changing me in so many great ways so that was that that was the mindful stuff I continued with my own practice over the summer and whatever because in London I haven't actually come across anywhere that does great meditation which is kind of depressing hmm. but it's okay because I'm here now yeah. um and then the moment I got to LA I was like right meditation centers and I found a place called the den brilliant again they have two places studio city and then right down in in, in Hollywood so again every single day I was there now I practiced mindful meditation and uh, psychic meditation, a couple of bits and pieces. They're all great, but the dawn of all meditation, as far as I'm concerned, the thing that sends me sideways in a good way is kundalini meditation. It's like... Kundalini. Kundalini, oh. yeah. So because it's so it's so strongly centered around the, the breath and it's so... Um, sort of uh, universal consciousness-esque and it's more about sending love out rather than looking after your brain because of that aspect I love it you chant and sing a lot 
again for a singer love it because i've done this thing called intoning where you just literally make noises and in a group environment it's this crazy energetic experience yeah. and it just the vibration of it all is just so like beyond ohm oh it's amazing like it's, wow. yeah so it really resonates with me so i've taken you to keep using the word resonate but it's like a big word for me yeah, yeah. um so um, the kundalini, I think because you're, because the breath work is so important, I think on a, like a physiological level, you're also oxygenating the blood and your cells are rejuvenating. And so your body feels charged as well as your brain. Because when you're doing the mantra, you're just focusing on the words. And you kind of, you kind of close your eyes and like flip your eyes up to like the, the, the pineal gland. So you're sort of looking up and where your third eye would be so you're kind of in this weird meditation space in your mind and then you're doing the mantra so you're um focusing just on that which means you're cleansing cleaning your mind at the same time and then you're breathing in such a way and it depends on what the breath pattern is that the teacher decides for that day and each thing is geared to to um uh sort of cleanse and uh relax different parts of your body so so that's why kundalini i i love it because it feels like yeah. a full body workout then you can it's, also do kundalini yoga which is like a whole ooh, more wow. thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah that sounds just, like for professionals so i do that every day yeah now you you remember we met we've met doing a very cool event yes. recently Gorgeous. which is also another podcast because right. it was so much fun yeah. it was, but it was also pretty scary we had to sing and i was kind of freaking out at yes. a moment and you said I want you to do this breathing exercise. Yeah. Did you do it? I did it. Remember, I went I went outside. Though, I wasn't sure whether I was, you did it. Yeah. No, I did. I went outside and did it. And I think it definitely helped me. Yeah. But it was breathing in four, four breaths. Four times, four out. There's a thing called the breath of fire, which basically right. you, you can start panting like a dog, like you stick your tongue and go, right. and you breathe from your navel. That's another reason why it's great for singers and great right. for kids as well to learn yeah. how to breathe properly. Because when you breathe in, you don't suck your tummy in. When you breathe right. in, your diaphragm expands. Yeah. Right? So when you push out, you push... you you know, draw the navel into the spine. And so you kind of catapult the air out of your mouth and the breath of fire you should do with a closed mouth through your nose. Right. So the idea of like panting like a dog, but then <laughs> through your nose, right. but you can sniff in for four and sniff out for four and like concentrate on the diaphragm. Yeah. And it literally calms the nervous system and your whole body will start to relax yeah. and it's scientifically proven. Right. So, I'm in the place at the moment where I'm thinking, I wonder whether I could really, really harness this knowledge and start learning about it and then apply it to teaching for singing and acting because it's Absolutely. It, I, I can only imagine how helpful it is. I mean, I recommended it to you because I was doing a one-off gig in New York last year and I was panicking. I mean, verging yeah. on panic attack. And I sat in the wings, had a moment of, fuck it, you look like an idiot, sitting there in your little party dress, ready to go on stage with all your hair done and everything, but I'm going to pant like a dog in the wings for like just yes. two minutes. And sure enough, it gave me a focused energy that wasn't like a zen floaty thing. It yeah. was very, it was, I knew present. my purpose, I was present and I felt powerful and right. harnessed at the same time. Yeah. That's why I love Kundalini because it harnesses you and it gives you like strength of mind without... Right. All of the negative stuff. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's like my life now. I, I think that it's it's funny because it's so hard for me because I'm a daydreamer. Mm. I am, uh, you know, and it's part of, that's part of the asset that has uh, gotten me where I am, you know, mm. as being a daydreamer. But it's very hard for me not to, even when, when I have these conversations, it's so hard for me to keep us on task. It's what I've gotten better and better at. Uh-huh. But... Um, when I'm by myself, 
hello, forget, forget it. You know, like I can go off into a million different places. Yeah. So I can only imagine that having that kind of practice can really help you as an artist, especially as a performer as well. Um, you are out here in Los Angeles going through like pilot season and all the craziness of LA. What has LA, LA I can go on forever and ever. I've been in New York and LA almost at the same amount of time, a little more in New York, yeah. but it's a very different city than New York. And I'm sure from, from London, what, does it feel like being an actor out here, an actress, I should say, even more than an actor, being an actress out here in Los Angeles? How, what does it feel like to you? Um, well, we could talk about the actor versus actress thing, but sure. that's another podcast. Yes, it is. Um, it is. We, um, I think anybody pursuing anything um, is full of doubt and excitement in equal measure. I think... And my um, confidence is, is it's like a pendulum. It goes from, you know, back and forth, depending on the day, depending on the previous audition experience and right. a comment or feedback that I had the day before or whatever. And I feel like LA is full of people who not only have a dream, but are also prepared to risk a lot in order to follow the dream. Hmm. So I think... Um, Again, if I hadn't been unwell, I don't know whether I would have had the balls to be in LA on my own right. with no job and no money. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing else that I want to do at this particular moment in my life. I feel like I kind of owe it to myself because of like the 10,000 hours that I've done, says Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. Love that book. Mm-hmm. Um, it, with the singing and the acting and the stage stuff and, and all the auditions as well over the years, all the screen time and whatever. I just feel like if I don't throw everything at this now, then I won't ever. So I guess that kind of sums up the mind state and the reason for being here. And I don't know really why I'm not leaving for a while. That's great. And I think it's, exa- <laughs> I mean, it makes complete sense to me i I mean we started this conversation and i was thinking what courage it takes for someone from london who's a you know had success on broadway to then to say well i also am going to try los angeles you know it makes it makes sense to me and i know that you should be here but it also i know as someone who's a musical theater person who's come to la that it takes a lot of courage because Mm -hmm. you could play it safe and you know that. Oh yeah. You know even you could you could be playing it safe as an actress in London or or even New York. Mm-hmm. And this is a different kind of risk. Mm-hmm. It makes so much more sense to me now knowing what your full story is that you aren't afraid or maybe you are but you're going to walk right through that Completely. And, and have the courage because oh, I'm petrified. Yeah. Yeah. As as we all are. Yeah. As, as we as like the reason I'm having these conversations with other actors is to acknowledge that yeah. and say how do you walk through that how do you make the decision to have courage well you know interestingly i had a bit of a breakthrough the day i was in an acting class and again i'd sit in the audience waiting for my time to go up to perform in front of the class and i'd be shaking like dry mouth the whole thing thinking i could easily just say i'm not going to go up this week yeah and people do i'm not going to go up this week people spend like hundreds and hundreds of dollars on classes to sit in the audience and never actually just try and fail Right. You know, try and fail, try, right. fail, succeed. I don't know. Just the point is to try. Right. And I had a bit of a breakthrough. I kind of went went for it. I felt so vulnerable. And then the teacher was really enthusiastic. And I thought, <laughs> brilliant. That one paid off. That's great. Same thing. <laughs> Kundalini. The other day, I was like, I'm going to keep at it. I'm going to keep at it. And sure enough, I had this incredible, won't go into it now, this incredible breakthrough. And I thought, you know what? While I'm evolving, it's painful and it's hard work. 
That's another thing. It's really hard to stay positive and then to keep doing the, like keep working on your backstory and keep like focusing on the acting training. And then also with the, with the meditation, just to keep up the daily practice. It's hard work, but it pays off. And right. it really does. Yeah. And even if at the end of this period of time, I haven't had any more stage credits than I already have on my on resume, my CV, even if that's the case, it doesn't matter because... I have overcome personal barriers. I feel like I'm learning and evolving every single day. And at the end of the day, isn't that what we're here for right. anyway? So I think if you just find the joy and the positives in every element of what's happening in every day of your life, then you're living as fully as you ever could. Then you're living the you're dream. Living, you're living the dream. Living the dream. See how I did that? Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, honestly, Siobhan, it's without knowing you, as, as well as I want to, I knew in these last couple of weeks of getting to know you that you were somebody that I wanted to talk to because I could sense that you had an inner peace that is unique to a lot of actors. That oh, is, that's, nice. that's, it's, it's true. I remember when we were all kind of waiting to go, we had a long time that we had to wait to perform mm-hmm. whenever that was a couple of weeks ago, um, where there was this quiet and everyone went, Oh, it was, it's quiet for a moment there. And you said, that was rather nice wasn't it? <laughs> I think I did say that yeah. and I was like you know you are someone who values that silence whereas everyone else mm. was a little uncomfortable in that moment mm. you know it's true you know and as actors we are totally going to fill that space because it's usually on stage if there's a gap in the, the, the sound we're going to fill the story with something yeah. um, and I think that we take that in life too I can tell that you're someone who's harnessed an inner peace and quiet and that you had a you had a, a really wonderful way of handling that high intense situation, and that was you could see there was a lot of stress on me for well, that. There was, there was a lot more pressure on you than there was on me. There was, there was <laughs> but you you helped you helped me, oh, and I good. and I really appreciated that. And clearly, I I know a lot more about you now after this last hour of talking to you, mm-hmm. and I so appreciate um, you sharing so much with me. It's my pleasure. Do you have honestly. anything else you want to say to the listeners? Well, they obviously know how wonderful you are. But this guy <laughs> or me is on. a diamond. Oh, no, you're, you you're very sweet. You're wonderful. And, uh, Thank you for asking me. I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here in L.A. We're going to hang you out did. in L.A. You yes, can take me are. to maybe a meditation. I would love that. I, w- I would love to do it. Uh, I, I need help. Great. I'm not good at it by myself. So Great. I'll go I'm your you. wingman. Let's do All it. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Audition side job swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.